All right. Well, I'm, again, I'm Ryan. Um, today I'm starting off, uh, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be um, kind of going over the next few months, uh, and we're going to be teaching on the Beatitudes. Uh, so I get the pleasure of starting off the series, kind of giving us a, a framework of kind of understanding Beatitudes, and then each week after that, we're going to go through one Beatitude at, uh, at a time and kind of unpack it. So uh, so to start off, um, Beat what? If you don't know what a beatitude is, um, I'm going to tell you what it is. Uh, so a beatitude comes from Latin. Of course, everything comes from Latin, it seems. Um, and it means a declaration of blessedness. Uh, it's found in the Old Testament, uh, in the Psalms quite a lot. It's, it sounds like a poem, if you hear it. It's supposed to. It's poetic. Um, but when we hear people say the beatitudes, the beatitudes, um, usually we're talking about what Jesus uses to start off his Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew 5 through 7. Um, so beatitude is a form, um, I would say, of poetry or a statement of blessedness, uh, but we're going to specifically talk about the ones in Matthew. Um, so before I just get too far into this, I'm going to do a quick prayer, and then, uh, and then we're actually going to read it and kind of unpack it a bit. So God, I pray today... Um, that you ready all of our hearts for, for your word. I pray that um, I don't say anything that's not of you or anything um, stupid. And I pray that if I do, you cover that up and, and you just uh, you speak through and louder than my words, God. I pray your Holy Spirit would speak louder than anything I really say. Um, so uh, just bless us, God. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so this is in Matthew 5. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3 through 10. The blessing. Have you guys seen um, uh, Christmas Vacation? You shouldn't. It's probably rated PG-13. But the guy, the blessing at the end. So uh, the blessing is where we're going to start with this. If you don't know what that means, I'm not going to tell you to watch the movie, but it's great. Uh, so we often use bless, the word blessed, um, to signify getting uh, or giving a gift uh, in, in our culture. That's often how we use that word. Uh, such as, God has blessed me with health, uh, a good job, um, beautiful teeth. I don't know. God has blessed me with uh, a Ford Fiesta. Uh, I don't know if that's a blessing. but uh, Or we also use it with each other, right? Like, um, have you guys been at a restaurant, and it's, you're with your friends or your family, and at the end the check comes, and you kind of have that argument like, oh, I got this. No, I got this. No, let us, you know, say, I want to bless you. Um, just to be honest, I will pretend that I'm arguing with you, but I'm cool if you pay my bill. I'll like, I'll like, come on, no, no, no. We, we. and then they like, they take the car, you know, the bill out of my hand. So uh, I will pretend that I don't want to be blessed, or I want to bless you, but I really want you to bless me. If we go out to a restaurant, um, but we use blessing in this like, you get something. Um, these are acceptable ways to use the word bless. But when used in the Beatitudes, it skews Jesus' intent. Uh, we will interpret the Beatitudes as prescriptions for blessedness. Um, as in, if you make the choice, this choice or possess this quality, 
God will bless you. So if you are a peacemaker, uh, if you pursue peace, God's going to bless you. He's going to give you a reward for that. Um, some of the Beatitudes fit into this line of thinking quite easily. You know, God loves peace. God loves uh, purity. God loves righteousness. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them that fit into that. Um, of course, God wants us to be pure of heart. And God is all about mercy, and he wants us to be likewise. But what about those first few? Uh, what about poor in spirit? What about those who mourn, or the meek, or you could say the weak? Uh, persecution. Those are, those are kind of not pleasant things. Um, but if we're reading it with blessed meaning, God will reward you if you do these things, um, we often make kind of this connection that those are qualities that God wants in us. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen this guy. This is Grumpy Cat. Um, and if, if you haven't seen him, there he is. Uh, I had fun once. It was horrible. Um, so I kind of feel like if we have this idea that um, if we read the Beatitudes and we do all of the Beatitudes and we make those ideals that God wants of us, it can create, not grumpy cats, but grumpy Christians. Um, if we interpret the Beatitudes as ideals, all of them, um, we get things like this. Vows of poverty. And that's a pretty common thing in the history of the church. There have been Christians uh, since the beginning of the church that have felt that God calls us to poverty. And, and some people maybe will make a personal decision towards that, but there are other groups of Christians that that's an ideal of theirs, that we should all be poor because... It says, you know, poor in spirit. Self-flagellation. This one's a nasty one, uh, I think. I mean, I could be wrong. But uh, if you guys um, have not heard of this, it's, uh, it's, there's different ways. It's not always physical, but often I'm sure you've heard like, people whipping themselves. Or uh, Martin Luther, uh, forefather, he would like sleep in a, a stone cell with no blanket in the cold. Like, it's this idea of physically um, harming yourself or putting yourself in, in a, a painful place to bring yourself closer to God. Um, or just in gen general grumpiness. Like, I'm sure that we've all met that Christian or we've been that Christian that just seems to be like, not, not really happy with life. The good news, Jesus is full of love and I'm really ticked off all the time. Um, and I almost said the other one, but ticked off. Uh, but grumpy Christians. And I, I don't think that... A false reading or a wrong reading of the Beatitudes is the only reason for this, but I think it can play into that because if we think that God wants us to be sad, God wants us to be poor or poor in spirit, which really means like broken spiritually. He wants us to be meek, to be victimized. He wants us to be persecuted. He wants people to hate us. Um, we kind of put these things on ourselves because we want to uh, get blessed. Um, in short, we get a really unpleasant form of legalism. Uh, and Jesus is the anti-legalist. Uh, following him is not about do's and don'ts. It's about our hearts and their position before and in connection with God. So when we take those things on, um, we're really just buying into an ugly form of legalism because we're trying to earn God's favor. Uh, a better definition. Uh, blessed, and I'm going to butcher it, but in the English translation, is the English translation of uh, Makarios. Uh, which really means happy, fortunate, well-off. So Jesus isn't really implying God will reward you. He's saying you are fortunate, you are well-off, you your life will be good um, if you are these things. Um, but they're not necessarily attached to what you do. 
blessed doesn't have to be attached to something you do. It's more of like a state of being. Um, and I think this is really what Jesus is doing. He's flipping this idea that the, his hearers at the time, the Jews at the time, would have had that if you do this, um, if you uh, tithe enough, if you uh, help your neighbor enough, if you pray enough, God will bless you. And he was flipping that into this. Even if you are a non-tither, even if you are a non-prayer, even if you are a jerk sometimes, you are well off because God's kingdom is for you. So he was doing this flip of like, you're not earning anything, which I think some of the words today, like, you're not earning anything um, because, because the, of God's kingdom and because it's for you, you are well off. So the Beatitudes, if we look at it this way, they are not stipulations. They are not legalistic things that you have to do. Or even ideals that God kind of wants in his people. Instead, they're an invitation. At least that's the way I see it. Um, closed kingdom. So uh, many Jewish leaders had a narrow view of who the kingdom of heaven was open for. So Jesus is talking to all these people, Sermon on the Mount. He's sitting on a, on a mountain, on a hill somewhere, and he's talking out. And there's, there's um, like a prevailing thought in, in the religious people at that time because they would listen to rabbis and they, they would teach um, their interpretation of who the kingdom of God was available to. Uh, and there were five, maybe there were more, but there's five really basic ones. Um, the first thing was, the idea was that the kingdom of God was only for Jews. It was only if you were from Israel, only if you were Jewish, uh, Gentiles, uh, are not the chosen people, um, according to his hearers. They would they would have thought uh, Samaritans. I'm sure if you've read any of you know the Gospels, Samaritans are like uh, nasty people to the Jews. They would never they wouldn't associate with them. So the kingdom of God in their minds was well, you have to be Jewish first. Uh, only men. Um, and there were some rabbis that even said uh, they didn't believe that women had the same souls as men. Um, so there would have been this thought that, like, you know, pe- people that um, that the society would have marginalized, Jesus was affirming. Uh, only the holy. I think this one traps us, too, a lot. It's the people that do all the right things. Um, they follow the law perfectly, at least on the outside. Uh, only the healthy. Um, so... Back then, and actually, there's, there's, still some, there's still Christians that believe this today, that if you are sick, if you have physical affirmities, if you're ill, um, that either God's cursing you or you've done something to de- deserve uh, that. And, and a side, kind of a side note to that, which this is more Ryan thought than what I think God told me to say, but um, I think that's crazy. Because if you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus like repeatedly says, I came for the poor, I came for the sick. He heals people like a lot. Um, he, he says, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. So like Jesus in his ministry is all about caring and loving those that aren't healthy. Um, but somehow this, this idea even has carried into some of the church today. Um, side, side note, if you've read the book of Job, anybody read the book of Job? Oh, good. All right, all five of us. If you haven't read it, uh, no, I'm joking. There's like 10 of us. Uh, there, it's 42 chapters. It's long. Uh, it's, I'm not going to spoil it for you because if you, if you should read it. It's good. It's part of the Bible. But um, it's 42 chapters of this guy suffering. And 
a lot of people, some people think it's one of the oldest books written in the Bible. So the idea in it has been around for a long time. But basically, at the end of it, it's uh, like his suffering wasn't because he deserved it. Like God kind of says, I'm God and I'm bigger than your circumstances. So, like this idea that like we suffer or we're sick just because of our sin, I think was has been around at least since Job. But they were caught up in that. They thought if you were if you were healthy, you're blessed by God. If you're sick, you're not. Which really, and I don't know why I cut it off, but it says only the wealthy as well, or the well off financially. So if you're poor, in their eyes, you deserve it. That's that's your lot in life. God, you obviously suck, and God doesn't love you, and you're you're poor. That's why you're poor. Uh, so if you're well off, God is blessing you. If you're not, you did something to make God mad. So in their eyes, the kingdom was really closed. Um, you can kind of see this. Actually, you can really see this in John. Um, so Jesus is, uh, he, he heals a blind guy. Um, and even his disciples, they, this, well, I'll just read it. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. So right there, his disciples, those closest to him, have this mindset that if you're born blind, you must have sinned. Or somebody sinned in your family. Um, it's a curse from God. But Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Uh, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Um, we don't spit on people enough, I guess, is the takeaway from that. So uh, we believe in healing at the vineyard, so that might be something. No, but his disciples are like, who sinned, Jesus? And he says, Nobody sinned. That's not why this guy is blind. Um, so in, in this passage, we see their thinking, but also Jesus twisting that thinking. Uh, Jesus was telling his listeners that the kingdom of God doesn't work the way they thought. Um, so the Beatitudes that we are talking about are in Matthew uh, 5, but there are another set of Beatitudes that are probably the same Beatitudes is just presented in a different way um, in Luke, um, which is one of the other Gospels. Uh, I don't know why he only does four instead of the eight or the nine that are in the other one, but there, there's a similar theme. But in Luke's version, he adds something that Matthew doesn't have. Um, and I think it really drives home this idea that Jesus is uh, making to his, his listeners that um, what you think, how you think the kingdom works, isn't right. It's it's not the well-off that are blessed or the well-off according to the world that are blessed. Um, so let me read it. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Oh, sorry. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So he's literally saying, blessed, well-off, fortunate are the people of society, their society, our society, that everybody else wants to write off. Because of 
the external because of their place, because of their circumstances. In their heads, obviously, God is not with them. Obviously, the kingdom is not theirs. They're not part of uh, God's plan. They're not blessed. Um, Jesus goes on, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So, a little bit different than Matthew's version, but it's same sentiment, right? But Luke goes on. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. And this is, again, in Luke 6, 20-26. So Jesus doesn't just affirm the people that nobody else would have affirmed. He, like, totally flips it and says, you people who think you have it all together, woe to you. So, whoa. You guys watch Blossom? Ugh, horrible show. Whoa. So, uh, Joey Lawrence. That's an old, old reference. Uh, so a different woe, W-H-O-A. Um, but like I just said, Jesus doesn't affirm the lowly. He warns, or even maybe it's not even a warning, it's a lament. Like he's like, ah, you guys are not as good off as you think. You guys are not as close to God as you think you are because of your circumstances. Uh, woe is the opposite of blessed. It means unhappy. It means unfortunate, not well off. So he's saying, you people who, on the external, um, seem like everything is going well. God has blessed you. Uh, it may not be so well off for you. Now, as I was writing this out, I realized that you could jump to a conclusion that, that, that I was trying to not make or make against earlier that Jesus isn't telling people that he wants them to be sad and grumpy Christians. But you could say, well, look at this. Like, he doesn't want anybody to be happy. He doesn't want anybody to be rich or blessed or, or anything like that. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I'm pretty sure not, because that would be legalism. And Jesus is an anti-legalist already. Um, he doesn't want us to do, make ourselves so that he'll bless us. In the same way, I don't think that... Um, He's saying that you have to give up all those things to be close to him. I think what he's saying is don't trust in yourself or your circumstances. Um, Because it's really easy if if things are well in life to trust in your circumstances. And I'm totally guilty of this. I'm sure you guys are never guilty of that. Um, But when things are good, who, who, uh, who would say it's easy to, like, forget to spend time with God or like bring things to God. Like, or maybe another way to say it, who mostly goes to God when things are really crappy? Like you're like, oh man, I really need God in this situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna go pray, I'm gonna spend time with him, I'm gonna seek seek his direction. Uh, but when things are well, we so easily human, human as humans, we so easily kind of like things are good. I don't really need God right now. And we would probably most of us wouldn't articulate it that way, but I think our hearts go that way pretty easily. And so Jesus isn't saying, rich people, be poor. He's saying, don't trust in your circumstances. Like back here, uh, whoa. Uh, He says, um, 
Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Like, circumstances change. You may not be on top of the world all the time. Um, oh my gosh, going totally backwards. Why didn't you guys warn me? Okay, so life situations, rich, poor, healthy, sick, they don't indicate your place with God. Um, I have met very wealthy people, or, or read about very wealthy people, who use their wealth for the kingdom of God. They, they are godly people. They love, they are blessed. They're, they're good business people, perhaps. They're intelligent and, and with money. But there is no doubt that God is in them and on them and in their lives. And I've met people that are broken or don't have very much, and they're kind of like horrible people. They're really manipulative and manipulative and mean, and, and they don't have godly character. So I don't think rich, bad, poor, good, I don't think that's the point. It's, it's uh, you can't put your trust into your circumstance, I guess. Uh, so earlier I said that the Beatitudes... They are not stipulations. There is one stipulation to this whole thing to make it all work, though, uh, which is a lot of what um, the three words when people came up earlier, I think they were kind of saying. Um, the stipulation is you have to say yes to Jesus. That, that's what he's asking his listeners, he's asking us to do. He's saying wherever you are in life, the kingdom of God is open to you, whatever. Um, just come to me, come to Jesus, say yes to me. That is the answer. Uh, knowing him is the only way to God, to a truly blessed life, uh, to live in his kingdom. Jesus is truly the only way. He is the one stipulation. He, he is the way in. The kingdom of heaven is open to all. Whether you are broken or presentable, depressed or joyous, powerful or overpowered, the Beatitudes are Jesus' invitation for you to come to know him and the Father. The Beatitudes are Jesus' way of cutting through truly our ridiculous, our unjust, our legalistic ways of thinking about who he is, who God is, thinking about ourselves or thinking about others. They're hope for those of us who feel like an outsider. This is more for me here. They are a gentle correct, correction for those of us who think we have this God thing figured out. The kingdom of God is for those who know they don't measure up, know they need God and his startling grace. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 